There's peace in his presence that you don't get anywhere else. There's love. There's acceptance in his presence that you don't find anywhere else. And you know something else that is just awesome when you get in the presence of the Lord? It's not like you start looking at people and seeing them from the outside. You don't look at them and say, oh, they're yellow, they're red, they're black, they're white. You know what? When you get in the presence of the Lord, you see everybody as human beings, as one in God, because he created us all. Hallelujah. Thank God for his presence and the privilege to just come together in his name. Amen. Amen. And to live in a nation where we can freely do this. Around the world today, people are not, they can't all gather together as freely and as openly as we are right now. I just heard recently that something passed in Russia that they're starting to just close down religious freedom like it was before. But thank God for our nation. Not perfect, but we are blessed, amen, to be able to do this tonight. So we're glad all of you are here. Why don't you go ahead and be seated. If we do have a CIA, you can go to your class. I'm not sure. I think we do. Go check it out. Yes, we do. Praise God. Well, I have just a little message for you tonight. And just in light of everything that's been going on, the thing that just kept coming up in my heart just to share is the love of God. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love never fails. Probably one of the most familiar and most famous passages in the Bible is John chapter 3, verse 16. They're going to put it up on the screen. This is in the King James Version because this is the version that most of us probably learned it in. But I want us to read this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now let's look at the next verse, verse 17. Praise the Lord. It'll be there in a minute. For God, well I'll just tell you what it says. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What did that say? God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus did not come with the message, you dirty, rotten sinners. Jesus came with the message, God loves you. What motivated God to send Jesus into the world? For God so loved the world. Now, if you can pull this up in the message translation, John 16 through 17 out of the message. Oh, that's cool. Let's look at this. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. That's good news, isn't it? By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. And it goes on a little bit further down there. In him 
anyone can have a whole and lasting life. The next part I'll read again. God did not go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point out an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. He came to help to put the world right again. Why, may I ask you, did Jesus come to help? Any of you ever needed any help? There's a wonderful scripture that says God is a very present help in time of need. I would say that our nation is in a time of need. We need God's help. There's not one person, there's not a political party that can fix our nation. Only an awakening under God. Only a realization that God is our answer. And I don't care what kind of religious background you came from. There is one God and he is the answer. He is the answer. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God loved the world enough to give heaven's very best, which was his son. And did you know that Jesus, in turn, loved us enough to come? It said that he was, the Bible tells us he was compelled compelled to come. He had compassion on you and on me. No, we weren't alive when Jesus physically walked the earth, but he's the beginning and he's the end. He saw you down through the corridors of time and he loved you enough to come and to give his life. The Bible talks about when during his earthly ministry that Jesus went about doing good. And it says he was moved with compassion. Compassion is a powerful force. It's a powerful thing to be compassionate toward other human beings, to be compassionate toward those that are hurting and are in despair. I once looked up this word compassion in an old dictionary And I love this meaning. It said that compassion was love with the desire or the urge to help. We just read it right there. Jesus came to help us. He didn't look down from heaven and say, oh, man, God, (laughs) Father, you created who? What? Those human beings? And look at the mess. Your beautiful world, they've already messed it up. Look at what Noah and those guys in his day did. Look at all the trouble that's going on down there. He could have looked down from heaven and said, You know, Father God, yeah, I love them too. I love them, but you know what? They got themselves in this mess, so let's just pray for them. Let's just pray that they'll be able to figure it out and get out of this mess they got them into into No, Jesus was moved with compassion. And that compassion 
motivated and compelled him to help. You and I need to be moved with that same compassion. If you're a born-again believer, that love wherewith God loved the world lives in you. Because God is love. And he doesn't want anybody to perish. There is no need for people to be destroyed or to perish. Listen to what this word perish means. To be destroyed or to be wiped out. To die a violent and untimely death. God said, I'm sending Jesus. And if you will receive him, you don't have to be destroyed. Hallelujah. God's got a better way. And it is never his will or his plan that hate and all of this stuff rule and dominate. Did you know that God doesn't just have love? The Bible says God is love. He's love. He's the author. He's a finisher. He's the creator of love and not hate, not not dissension. The problem is that people get ruled and they get controlled by their emotions and by their flesh. Pastor mentioned it. We live in a fallen world. Y'all know what that means? God created this world beautiful. He created it perfect. But Adam and Eve were tempted of the enemy. And that gave him entrance into this world when they ate of that apple. And they sold their birthright, per se. And so because of that, there's sin in the world. Anybody figured that out? That there's bad things that happen in the world. And we don't glorify it, but God's presence is here. He's here tonight. But there's also evil presence and evil forces at work in the earth. Anybody discovered that? And people that are not full of the love of God, they can get influenced. And they can get motivated by these evil forces. And sometimes... People have had bad things happen to them and they they just get really angry and they act out this anger and through a process of time and people continually yield to anger, then there becomes almost like a supernatural force that gets a hold of them and it causes them to do things that normally they wouldn't do. That's not God's will or God's best. He wants us to be controlled and dominated by his love. How's that going to happen? You know, you can't love some people out of your head. There's some days you can't love your husband or your wife just out of your head. No names mentioned. I'm not looking at anyone. (laughs) There's some days you've got to take it by faith and you've got to say, okay, my flesh isn't feeling like I want to give you a big fat kiss right now, but my heart says, I love you. And that's where the love of God is. It's in our hearts. It's not in our heads. Very basic message tonight, but I just dropped by to remind you, we are love creations of a loving Father. 
Romans chapter 5. Let's look at it out of the Amplified. Romans 5, 5. I like this verse a lot. You know, I like the Bible. If you are a Christian, you ought to like the Bible. Because the Bible is talking about love. The Bible is God's love letters to his children. And it's precious. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 in the Amplified. So hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How many of you in here tonight, you are believers? You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. Well, then guess what? His love is in you. It's in your heart. And you know what else it says here? Such hope in God's promises never disappoints. Misplaced hope leads to disappointment. You've heard the saying, I got my hopes up. And it didn't happen. I got my hopes up that I was going to get this great job. I got my hopes up, you know, that this relationship was going to work out. And it didn't work out. Uh, Misled hope leads to disappointment. Misplaced hope. But I like how this tells us here. God will never disappoint us. God will never leave us without hope. He is the one who gives us hope in the face of hopeless situations. And then I like the word there. God's love has been abundantly poured out in our hearts. Pastor Mark's been doing a wonderful series on Sunday mornings on abounding and on abundance. This is one of the things that God has abundantly done for us. It's poured out His love in our hearts. He knew we'd need a lot, so He didn't say, I'm going to give you a little dab. Because a little dab will not do you. You need a lot. You need all that He's got. God is love. (laughs) Some of you might remember that old commercial. Brill cream. You get a star. Yes. So all of the oldies in here like Pastor Mark. Oops. That remember brill cream? That's where that came from. A little dab will do you. But a little dab of God won't do you. A little dab of the love of God won't do you. He said, I want to abundantly pour myself into you. Hallelujah. We can say hallelujah in church. We can be happy in church. You can smile. As a matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and smile. Hi, neighbor. Will you be my neighbor? I'll smile. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we've already established it, but I want to go just a little bit further here in the fact that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for us not only to know his love, but for us to experience life. Life. As God has it. For us to have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It is possible 
to be in the midst of a terrible, turbulent situation, not knowing what to do, but it is possible to say, I might not, might not know how, I might not know when, but I know who, and I'm going to rest in the promises of God. I'm going to tap into the peace of God that passeth all understanding. And then Jesus, he is the author of joy. You know, there's so much sorrow, and we do grieve with those that grieve. But Jesus said, I'll turn your grieving and your sorrow into joy. He came to give us love, life, peace, joy. I mean, the list goes on and on. Hallelujah. He was and is our Lord and our Savior. He didn't just say, I love you and not do anything about it. John 15, 13 says this about our Lord Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus literally laid down his life for us. This verse is not talking about us literally dying for someone else. Although there are many brave men and women that serve in our armed forces, that serve in our police forces, that have done that. I saw a testimony today or a woman given an account today that was there in Dallas. The shooting started happening. A police officer saw that she had been hit. She was shot in her leg. He said, are you wounded? She said, yes. He dove on top of her and protected her. I don't know if his life was taken or not, but he dove right on top of her to protect her. This woman happened to be a black woman. There are people that have given their lives for others. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He doesn't want people to perish. But we should honor men and women that are willing to give their lives for us, for our country. I come from a very strong military family. My dad was a World War II vet. I've got a brother-in-law that served in Vietnam. I've got two One niece, two nephew-in-laws that have both all served in Iraq. One who is currently in Afghanistan. I know what it is to bleed red, white, and blue. And I am thankful for people that put their lives on the line that we can gather together just like we are right now. We ought to say, thank God, greater love. These people, they may not all be, you know, worshiping God just like we are. But they love God and country. And part of that country I grew up in, in Oklahoma, that's kind of the slogan. We love God and we love country. And we will die for our freedom and for our country. But on a local level, we've got men and women that are going into harm's way every day. They're literally willing to lay down their life for their friends. 
for their neighbors, for their fellow citizens. If they're willing to do that, folks, as Christians, we should take this scripture and we should say, Lord, I'll lay down my life. What does that mean? I'll lay aside my agendas. I'll put aside political views. I won't look at color. I won't look at this, and I won't look at that. I'll change my schedule. I'll lose sleep if necessary to pray for hurting humanity. Here I am, Jesus. I'll lay down my life to offer myself in prayer to be that answer to somebody's need. It doesn't have to be some great big huge thing. Just being kind. Perhaps hearing that a neighbor is going through a rough time or just gotten home from the hospital. Did you know it's laying down your life to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cook them a meal. If you can't cook, go buy them one. But I'm going to do something nice. I'm going to lay aside my schedule to do something for somebody else. For sure. Amen? You know, praying for, you won't pray for the hurting and the oppressed if you don't care. As Christians, we don't have to carry other people's burdens and their cares, but we do have to care. We have to let the love of God rule and reign in our hearts and be willing to see through another person's eyes, to seek to understand and not just to be understood. I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in Pawnee, Oklahoma. Pawnee is the tribal headquarters for the Pawnee Indian Nation. So I grew up with a lot of Native Americans. And I don't know where this saying came from. You may have heard it too, but I know my dad used to quote it a lot. If we got tempted to be critical of somebody or judge them or why are they acting that way or why are they doing this, there was an old Native American chief, and he said this, and my dad used it a lot. Never judge another man until you walk in his moccasins. (laughs) It's good advice. For sure. We don't know everything that people have gone through. We don't, aren't called to judge and criticize, but we are called to love and we are called to pray. Do we condone all of the actions of people? Absolutely not. We don't condone the things that people do, violent, hideous acts. Of course we do not. But we pray that there would be peace, that there would be healing, and there would be restoration, and that God would grant us forgiveness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 in the Amplified. Y'all came to church tonight, right? So I'm going to go just a little bit longer. For the love of Christ controls, urges, and impels us. Because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. So what? We've already stated it, but what does the love of God do? 
It should control us. It should urge us. It should impel us. One translation said the love of God compels us, calls us to action. When we let the love of God rule and reign, we'll be amazed at how we start seeing and viewing people. We'll get a glimpse of the Father's heart, of the love of Jesus, His love for the lost, His love for hurting, dying, sighing humanity. I believe that God is looking for people in the body of Christ that will say, hear my Lord, I will pray. I will pray for an awakening in our land. I will pray that strife and division ceases in the name of Jesus. I will pray for my country. And I will declare, in God we do trust. I will declare, you know, it's not by accident. The name of our country is the United States of America. It's not the divided states of America. It's the United States of America. Our nation was raised up for a plan and for a purpose. And we are declaring that our destiny shall be fulfilled. We were just in Fort Worth, Texas, a a strong prophet in the land. Kenneth Copeland's meeting there. He said something that just resonated in my heart. He said, America is not going under. He said God spoke to his heart. And he said, America is the only nation that was raised up because its founders loved me. He said, I created Israel because I love them. And I was looking for a people. But our country is the only country that was founded and raised up because our founding fathers sought religious freedom, sought a place where they could boldly and freely worship their God and our God. If you just study the history of our country, you cannot help but my, my, my say, God, your hand was, is, and will forever be on our country. So be it. Amen. So how are we to pray for our nation? Pastor prayed a wonderful prayer over the police, those in uh, professional police, <laughs> law enforcement, in leadership. But let me read you this scripture, and then we'll have a little bit more prayer before we close tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, everybody say my people. Then I want you to read the rest of this with me. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. 
turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Did you notice if? That's conditional. God wants to bring healing to our land. We've already established He is love. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that our nation be divided and be destroyed. But the condition of Him bringing healing is us, His people, doing our part. Our part is we have to humble ourselves. We have to say, dear God, forgive us. Well, you say, well, I didn't do this. I didn't kill the babies. I didn't do this, and I didn't take prayer out of school. But this is our country. This is our territory. This is our domain. So we have the responsibility on behalf of our nation to say, Lord, we humble ourselves and we repent for allowing ungodly stuff and legislation and strife and all the dissension. We repent because if the church had been walking in love and praying as we should, I don't think a lot of these things would have happened. We have to take responsibility. We have to humble ourselves, say, Lord, forgive us. And then we have to say, we're going to seek your face. If my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then he promises, I'll hear you. I'll heal your land. Prayer is a powerful force. It does produce results. It brings healing It brings protection. It brings wisdom for our leaders. And it will bring peace to our nation and our street.